Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self worst Okay, check, 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 checkerino Here we go, here's a heckin' big floofer checkerino of a pupper Hi, welcome to my pupper podcast, self worst podcast, friend I'm Brad Pearson, and I'm a big, chonkin', heckin' doggo. Um, what's going on? Hope you are enjoying the the height of summer. The dog days are here, and uh, it's it's hot out. It's sweltering, and uh, it's a it's a warm, toasty day out there. Um, speaking of hot. I got Shelly Brooks on the podcast from the show. Everyone is hot. She's the other host. Uh, we had Michael Stevens on the show a couple weeks ago. Together they form Everyone is Hot, the podcast. Uh, it's about being uh, a, a film nerd and being horny for uh, unconventionally attractive people in films. And it's really cool. It's a, it's it's become quickly one of my favorite podcasts. So go check that out. Uh, Shelly is a writer, performer, based here in new york city and uh it was really cool to have her on the show and uh you know it's look we're both hot figuratively literally we both had our acs running the whole time i got my ac on right now and i hope that it's not uh too grating on the audio quality we address that i'm just letting you know it's too hot to make a podcast in a hot room while you're sweating. Anyway, you're hot. I'm hot. We're all hot. It's, we just had uh, the hottest day on record this week, which is fine. Nothing to worry about. It's all good. Um, we're just, you know, we're just living our lives, man. Wildfires and heat and smoke and heat and it's fine. It's good. It's all good. It's great. Um, hope you are uh, staying cool, staying, uh, you know, just stay hydrated. That's important. Get those electrolytes. Get that hydration. However, you got to do it. Hope you're uh, just taking some time to spend some time outdoors and go to the beach, stare at the waves. You know, just contemplate eternity. Ocean's a good place for contemplating inter- eternity because, I don't know, that's just what it's for, right? That's what you do if you're, like, being all Hemingway and shit. I don't know. Hope you're, uh, you know, practicing proper hygiene in public areas. <clears throat> Armpits on trains, things like that. Hope everybody is, uh, you know, being mindful of the fact that it's just sweltering out there. It's just crazy out there. In New York, oh my god, New York in the summer. Speaking of everyone, is hot. It's a horny place. Got all that underbud out. Everybody's just walking around with their parts out and limbs out. All skanky. And uh, it's a wild time. But enough about that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have much else to say. I think we should just move on to the interview because all, all I have in my head is just like thoughts of like, oh, I should have said this, should have said that. 
during the interview, or I should have <clears throat> talked less. That's usually my thought when I listen back to these. But I'm also trying to get out of the habit of criticizing myself, you know, and and uh, and just belittling my work before I present it to the public. So I'm just going to not do that. But the thing with that is, then what do I even say? I guess nothing. Which is fine, because we got a whole hour-long conversation with, like I said, my guest, Shelly Brooks. And uh, that's all. Let's, let's, let's just go to the show. The interview, I mean. This is the show. The interview section of the show. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise <I> good. <laughs> I'm I'm just running the AC in here. I don't care. It's they're yeah. the listeners are case, just gonna have to deal with it. I might do that as well then. Yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. Cool. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm in uh the basement of our building, so usually it doesn't get too hot in here, but it's just so muggy out today. It's really humid. It's really yeah. just unpleasant Ugh. out. Yeah. It's not I good. Muggy. Actually this is this one's quite loud. So I'll I'll just I for a little honestly bit. can't hear it. <laughs> So, oh really? Uh, yeah, the oh, mic's okay. not picking it up, so I think it's fine. Oh, thank God. Go ahead. Yeah, because it sounds so loud in the room. Give me just one second. It's just uh, starting up again. And can you hear that? No. I mean, oh. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's yours or mine, but there's like a slight hum in the background. But fuck it. Oh, great. Okay, perfect. <laughs> sounds yeah. good. So to the listener, we're both running our air conditioners because it's uh, it's like <laughs> hot as dogs' balls out right now, it and really it's is. really steamy and gross and. <laughs> Uh, we're just going to sacrifice a little bit of audio quality and you're just going to have to deal with it. I think most people who listen to this are listening to it on little like AirPods. You know, they're not really, they're not, not audio files necessarily. Like nobody's <laughs> listening to this on like 120 gram vinyl or whatever. Like it, it's fine. They should though. <laughs> you do yeah. put out every episode on vinyl, right? <laughs> yeah. I try and, and press everything on vinyl and, and mm. make sure it's all really, you know, remastered and high quality audio. Yeah. Not know. cost effective, but like for the art, you know, you make sacrifices. <laughs> that is one thing as a podcaster that I wish was kind of like a thing I could do is put out something tangible, you know, right. Like it's just, it, I, I miss those days. I am a big vinyl guy. I, I, mm. I like collecting vinyl records. Yeah, no, it's funny. I used to have a huge DVD and Blu-ray collection. I'd mm -hmm. been like collecting them since I was like 13. And then when I moved a few years ago, I gave them all away to, um, I can't remember the name of the video store, but Eric Allen Hatch runs it in Baltimore. Uh, Balmore. So he got all of my, my DVDs. So they have a nice home now, but I do miss having any sort of tangible movie collection. It's a weird place to be in the digital streaming age because, yeah. you know, people look at you like you're weird if you've got like a shelf of, of DVDs or Blu-rays now, but... Um... Yeah, but now Zaslav's yanking all the titles from uh, HBO. So exactly. We, we stack yeah. Up so while like, we can. Who's, who's laughing now? Like they're they just they they'll like they did it with another show just recently. Um, that like Pink Ladies show, I guess they yeah. just they pulled it like after a year, pretty much just so they don't have to pay any residuals to to their right. you know cast crew whatever because mm. they're just corporate shysters. But yeah, you know, it, it's <laughs> this is what happens. Like you give everything over in the. Yeah, mm -hmm. you gotta yeah, have I've got to have something of your own. Sorry. Yeah, I've got a hard drive full of movies now because I'm like, just in case. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's how to be. So yeah. um, how how are you feeling today? Uh, you know, right now at the top of the episode, knowing that we're going to, you know, be uh, discussing mental health with uh, some guy you've never met. 
<laughs> yeah, I got like weirdly nervous, like right before I signed on, um, in part because, uh, so uh, listeners may or may not know, I do a podcast called Everyone is Hot, um, but we've been on a bit of a hiatus, so I haven't recorded in a while. So just like the act of like getting ready to speak to people that I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah I got like briefly a little nervous, but I'm already feeling at ease. <laughs> That's good. I feel that because, yeah, I took a hiatus from this show as well. I did a coding boot camp over the winter oh. and was and just did not have the bandwidth to mm-hmm. uh, be recording episodes every week and I'm still like doing yeah. like every other week like when I put mm-hmm. this one out I don't have anything else <laughs> I don't have I don't have another guest booked I don't got I don't yeah. got nothing so uh you know it just sort of is what it is but it's it, a lot of work yeah it's really hard to make a podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we don't make any money so. no <laughs> Yeah, barely so, a know. dime. I think like I like Patreon sends me that like I get an email from them every once in a while. And it's like you got twenty three dollars, bud, and I'm like, right. cool, I made it. dude. You can't even get punched in the face for twenty bucks in this town. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard to balance. Like you know, when you're working full time and you've got other artistic pursuits that you want to do, it yeah, it can be tough to to keep it all in the air. You live in New York as well, right? I do. When did you move here? Uh, well, I first moved here for college. I went to undergrad at Barnard. Um, and then, you know, I think once you like go to school in New York, it's really hard to go anywhere else. You get kind of spoiled by living in New York. Um, so yeah, lived here consistently, except for, uh, at the like beginning of COVID, I was working at like a cinema. And so obviously that shut down and a lot of us were laid off. And I uh, coincidentally found out at like almost the exact same time that I'd gotten into grad school in the UK. Um, so I gave away all my stuff, planned to move, and then COVID just kept going. So I lived in my parents' basement for a while. Um, then I lived with a friend in Turkey for a few months, and then I moved back about a year and a half ago. Nice. How is uh, going back to your parents' basement? That's that's uh, that's a millennial journey. Everybody does. Ooh, it. I regressed it. so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was an interesting time because you know I, um, I growing up it was with my my parents and my grandmother and they all still live together. So you know it's a, it's a lot of people and it's a, people who are very intense and it was a very intense time. So I mean I was very grateful for it and it was in some ways I I miss it because it was nice having that sort of like unusual amount of time with family um you know for being an adult but but yeah but it was it was a very strange time because like i also on top of like being back in my childhood home i also was back in school for the first time in years so i i really felt like a teenager again in many ways (laughs) Mm. it's always interesting watching people go back uh to be around their parents and and you just oh yeah the way parents can get to people uh, like <laughs> nobody else can is is, mm-hmm. is pretty uh, interesting. Um, so, like yeah. you, you mentioned, they're intense people. How how are they intense? What what kind of intensity are we talking about? We're we're just all we're like all very emotional people, but mm-hmm. we also like none of us ever want to like in, like burden other people. So I mean. We're a loud family. We're like a funny family. Um, but also, I mean, we also have very different politics. Like I'm, you know, a l- good little lefty and, you know, my parents are conservative and I was in Georgia and it was like, mm-hmm. you know, the election coming up and, you know, everything going on with like, you know, protests. And it, it was just a, it's a strained time. And like my grandmother was getting older and dealing with health things. So it was just a lot. It was a bit of like a, a pressure cooker in some ways. Um, so, I mean, you know, there was nothing like, you know, terrible about it. But 
I mean, I think we all just felt like overwhelmed at times. So, you know, yeah. there, were, there were occasional, you know, <laughs> tears at dinner. <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, I was very lucky that, you know, I, I feel like the older I've gotten, the more I've realized like how fortunate I got with my parents that like, I truly do have people who love me completely unconditionally. Mm. Um, and yeah, and I, 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 the older I get, the more I meet people who don't have that in their lives. And so it's like whatever sort of issues I, I have with my parents, like ultimately there is a sort of like foundation of, of trust in that unconditional love. So I don't like, I've got a sister who's a few years younger who lives near them. She lives in Atlanta. Um, and she comes to visit a lot. Um, and we had always had a bit of a contentious relationship, but like got so much closer during this time. So, you know, it was, it was hard in some ways, but, but really good in others. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm, Strange time. You mentioned in the pre-interview packet that there was a, a, you know, they come from like a very like openly dysfunctional sort of, (laughs) uh, background. And so, yeah, (laughs) I think a lot of parents, uh, like, people our age like are like boomer parents like they sort of traded in a quiet dysfunction for a for a mm. loud dysfunction um sure. and you know like being from the midwest myself i think that was sort of like the mo of just sort of like being kind of quiet and reserved about like whatever it is going mm. on like not necessarily in my family like we were pretty open and communicative but mm. uh just the culture the prevailing culture in general uh, really uh, colors who you are in ways you don't even realize. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a pretty like liberal household and yet uh, realized how much like internalized uh, toxic masculinity and sexual repression mm-hmm. and stuff was in me. So uh, was that your experience as well growing up in, uh, you grew up in Georgia? I did. So it's funny, like the toxic masculinity part, like my father, um, he is like a, you know, conservative Fox news watching guy, but he also modeled this like really kind of like radical equality in, in the household and between himself and my mother. And like, they, they first met each other in middle school and got married pretty young. Um, but they like, genuinely really love each other and they genuinely like spending time together mm-hmm. and they modeled really good like arguing <laughs> like i we recently i recently graduated from my master's program Congratulations. Um, so we thank you um so we as a family like went on a trip to the uk for this graduation um and we traveled around a bit and like there were a couple of times where they, they got into arguments and like as someone who is not in like a you know a long-term relationship i like as they were happening, I'd be like, Oh my God, this is awful. I can't believe this is going on. And then the next morning they would be fine. Cause they would have talked about it. And like, it, it was like a very healthy way of like working through like frustrations. And, you know, my dad always did like the cooking growing up. And he like, when I mentioned in the pre-interview, the idea of like <laughs> quiet versus loud dysfunction, um, my mom's family definitely like presented more. I mean, they were, more inclined to be very quiet about any sort of issues that were happening. My dad's family is a whole sort of whirlwind. Um, and so I think because of that, he it's kind of like his life's project to be like a good husband and a good father. Um, mm. So, yeah, so, I mean, they're definitely, you know, I would have preferred to have not heard like Rush Limbaugh on the radio growing up. Yeah. And, like, and there are times when, you know, I, I'm bisexual. So, you know, even though it was never like, 
overtly a problem. It definitely took them some time to get used to the idea. Um, but yeah, but I, in many ways, like I got very lucky in seeing like a pretty, pretty healthy dynamic with my parents. When did you come out to them? Um, I don't know. Cause I don't know if I ever had like a big official coming out. I think that I, I just started, you know, I, I went to like a women's school. And so I think right. I just started like mentioning that <clears throat> I was going on a date with this girl and, you know, be on the phone with my mom and just tear the line and go quiet for a second. And her be like, Okay, well, have fun. Well, I got to go. Bye. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, you know, like I said, I grew up with my grandmother and it's been really fascinating seeing her evolution over the years um, because I remember before, or maybe it was my freshman year of college, I hadn't come out to her because um, I think I think even still she probably wouldn't necessarily get the idea of bisexuality. Like she gets being gay, but like she she said something along the lines of like, and she's kind of like jokingly like, but uh, you know, I, I've already got one gray, gay grandchild. Like, if, if you turn out to be gay, I'm going to throw myself off a bridge. And then, you know, a few short years later, she's, like, you know, dancing at my gay cousin's wedding. So, right. yeah. So, it, I mean, definitely, you know, as we all do, I, I've seen with, like, the younger generations, we're, like, a pretty big family. And the younger generations are a lot more progressive. Um, and, yeah, definitely seeing how the, the older generations have changed over time has been has been heartening. Yeah, it's, um, I think, unfortunately for a lot of people, it has to be the case of it's somebody in your family who you know, who, right. uh, which in, in which case, like, it always is, like, there is, you are going to have a queer cousin, you are going to have a queer right. son, daughter, whatever, like, it's mm -hmm. going to happen, just law of averages, like, right. you can't stamp that out, um, and it's been interesting in our lifetimes, I think, just, just politically watching uh this sort of roundabout way in which like conservative folks have been dealing with uh the whole queer issue because it mm. seemed for a while like honestly when you when you talk to like a lot of like trump republicans they don't care about gay shit like not right. really like they don't really that's not part of their agenda. They're usually not like the evangelical, like puritanical type. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, like a lot of them are like real freaky, like swingers and bikers and stuff. And yet they like <laughs> Trump. I, it's, right. it's really strange. Well, um, swingers liking Trump makes sense to me. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I mean, cause like he's, he's kind of, he's, you a, know, fuck guy. he's, he's a freak. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, it, it, it's just been sort of, strange you know like watching and then like watching like all the the, the queer panic stuff come back you know yeah. um and and like it all smelling so familiar with mm. you know like growing up in the 90s with like the the, the gay panic and the AIDS stuff yeah. and like satanic panic and like it's just it's all the same shit happening over and over and like you know again like I grew up in a pretty uh liberal like you know nice little uh NPR listening household <laughs> Uh, they were Unitarians, you know, um, mm. but just the culture around me, you know, like you can't help but absorb some of that. And, um, yeah. you know, it's it's just hard because like there is I know that there is an impulse within me to to um, get really angry and be really uh, judgmental. 
and mm. be really just like, you know what? Fuck those people. I don't like what they're posting on Facebook and, and just sort of like distance myself from them. Um, yeah. And yet, you know, like you were saying, like maybe their politics, you don't agree with them, but mm. they do seem to have some like good in them. Like, you know, like he, he's mm-hmm. your dad. He's like a good family man. He yeah. has like he's a good dude. He's just his politics are misguided and like it takes a long time to come around to not dismissing somebody as a complete piece of shit just because you like disagree with them politically i mean like i'm almost in my 40s now and like it's it's still like it's taken me this long to just like relax a little bit and not get so like reactive with people yeah i mean there's (laughs) There was so much rhetoric like on social media, especially in the past several years of like if someone is like conservative, you have to cut them off completely. You should never speak to them again. And like I get I get the impulse. Um, But at the same time, like, I mean, people are are complicated. So, I mean, you could be someone like my dad who will sometimes like parrot a political talking point that I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? Like that doesn't square at all with like the kind of good that I know you do and like how I know you like move through the world and through like your community and stuff. Um, and the inverse being that, you know, there are plenty of like, you know, lefties with like pristine politics who are absolute pieces of shit. Like I think yeah. about that Chris Fleming video, the the grad student shuffle where he has that line where he's like, uh, I, you call yourself a community organizer, but you don't talk to your roommates. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So, you know, no, I, I know plenty of people like this <laughs> who like their whole political stance is about like what a fucking humanitarian they are. And yes, <laughs> like interpersonally, they're just complete misanthropes. They just cut people out over fucking nothing. They just, yeah. they bomb, they torpedo all their friendships. They burn all their bridges. They just don't mm. like people. So I'm like, yeah. so what are you a socialist for exactly? Just to be right. right? Like a uh, fuck you. Like, I, yeah, yeah a socialist in theory who doesn't want to actually engage in the sort of community building that is necessary. It's for, very, like, I don't know, people are just annoying yeah. all over. And like, especially <laughs> since like COVID and everything, like I've gotten so just yeah. black pilled on all of that stuff where I'm just like, man, I don't fucking care. Like if I, I can survive yeah. and like people around me are okay and I, I can like grill in my backyard. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just so checked out of electoral politics now that like it just yeah. really, it's, 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 it's hard to stay engaged for it for so long. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, and I do think the the COVID of it all is a big thing because, yeah, I mean, I think that you just, we're all so kind of ground down <laughs> from we the just, last several it years. It was just <laughs> really realizing that we don't live in a society. We live yeah. in like five corporations stacked up in a trench coat. Like we don't, yeah. li- like we don't, nobody gives a fuck about anyone. And it mm. just was like abundantly clear. And I was like, okay, so cool. This just, this isn't going to work out, you know? And and right. like, I was just done at that point. I was like yeah. campaigning for Bernie and shit before that. And was all like, you know, bright eyed and excited about a better mm. world as possible. And I'm like, the world, yeah. the world can be survived, but it cannot be fixed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do definitely feel, I think, sort of that impulse. And I think a lot of people do now of like the sort of Voltaire, you know, tend your garden thing. Because like yeah. in the face of impossible, immovable history, it sometimes feels like all you can do is cultivate your little community and, you know, your own little space. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Man, Voltaire, yeah. he had some he had some bangers, right? That guy was kind of smart. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Um, he has like good ideas. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, also coming out as an atheist to your classmates oh, <laughs> and, and how, how all of that went. I'd like to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was a I I had a very interesting sort of trajectory with um, with the idea of religion. Uh, you know, I you know, Flannery O'Connor talks about like 
the South being God haunted. Like, I feel like that's kind of apt mm-hmm. of like how I experienced the idea of God. And like, I, I got really into like Bergman movies as a teen. Cause I like, so related to these people who like felt religion so intensely and then like came to be atheists and like the sort of like hollowness that comes with that after you had this thing. Um, but yeah, so I, my parents weren't like particularly religious. They just were like in the way that if you live in the South in a small town, like, it's just the thing you do. Um, but I, uh, being a really in- intense person, even as a child, um, you know, kind of immediately took to church and like the idea of God and the idea of, uh, like infinity and in- eternity. Um, and then I slowly just like more and more was turned off of the church. Cause I went to, like Baptist churches growing up. Um, we went to like a kind of mega church um, and I would go to Sunday school and I'd go to like the church retreats and stuff. And, you know, they were always run by teens who weren't actually familiar with the Bible. And I would have mm-hmm. all these sort of like textual questions and they would be like, I don't know. Um, and I also like was told several times, like my Jewish family members were going to hell and that I was put on the earth specifically to save my Jewish family members uh, and convert them to Christianity. Um, and, you know, I would ask questions like, okay, but what if someone like murdered someone, but then they accepted Jesus? Are they going to heaven? And they'd be like, yes. And I'd be like, what about my nice aunt and uncle? And they'd be, hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I reached a breaking point when I was like 13, maybe. Um, and I was doing a community theater production. And I uh, had told one of my friends that I didn't believe in God. And it like spread through all of the youth ensemble. <laughs> and so everyone came up to me all night to like ask why I didn't believe in God or like, you know, what I was thinking. And then we had a sleepover after the performance that night. And they basically like closed me in a room and people came in like one by one to try to convince me that God was real and like why I needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, the most memorable, actually two most memorable uh, was my best friend at the time came in and started like sobbing because she told me that she couldn't stand the idea of being in heaven while I was in hell. Um, and then an older girl came in and gave me this very um, like tortured metaphor about how I'm in a pool and I'm drowning and Jesus is on the side of the pool and the Bible is the life raft. Now he's thrown me the life raft, but am I going to take it? <laughs> so, and yeah, I mean, after that, I, you know, it kind of calmed down, but there was a real frenzy when I first uh, came out as an atheist in my little town. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. I don't know. Religion does such insane things to people's brains, especially kids. Yeah. It's just really, uh, I mean, you know, y- you want to talk about like grooming and warping the minds of, of, of the youth. <laughs> like, yeah, that is yeah. <laughs> straight up just just some evil shit you are doing to kids brains. You know, like yeah. the, the things that I've heard people do and think and worry about uh, mm. when it comes to just religious shame and guilt and, mm-hmm. you know, just, just being scared of, of their own families, being scared of their own thoughts, being scared of their own bodies. It's, it's just nuts. And, yeah. And uh, even beyond like the intense shame and the fear and stuff, I mean, also just this idea of like, the kind of brainwashing that like closes closes young people off to new ideas. Cause I mean, I would go to these like, you know, concerts and events and stuff that like were were genuinely cult like. Cause I mean they would like 
play a bunch of fun songs and then inevitably they would like show a video about someone like getting in a car wreck and being paralyzed from the neck down and finding Jesus. And then they would come out and play a sad song and they would say like, raise your hand if you want to recommit yourself to Jesus tonight. We want you all to come down and come and like kneel at the foot of the stage. And like everyone is like sobbing, like they like whipped everyone into a frenzy. So all these like, you know, 12 year olds are like wailing, <laughs> like coming down and like being touched by, you know, these people leading this. It was, it's crazy stuff. Do you think that you could ever get sucked into a cult? No, I don't think so. I think, I think because of my experience with church growing up, I think that now I, I'm very suspicious of any sort of like culty stuff. And like when I was uh, in my early twenties or even like in college, like I I liked the idea of having some sort of like community through religion. So I mean, I, I would go to, you know, I would go to synagogue sometimes. I, I had like a month where I like I went to this like Sufi mosque downtown that like it was really lovely and I met a lot of lovely people, but I just couldn't get past the the barrier of the God part. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I yeah, I think just because I having seen so many people be yeah sucked into these like cult like religious organizations and not even just Christians. I mean, people uh, across religions that I've you know met. Um, yeah, I think I've just got too too healthy of a suspicion of anything that seems culty. <laughs> That's probably good, but yeah, I don't, it, it's hard because I mean we are such a uh, what's the word uh, 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 atomized society, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and all we do is work, and now we work remote. So like you know, and and, and like they think it was Marx who said that like you know you're supposed to have like three places: you have home. You have yeah. work and then you have the third place, which is like mm-hmm. the church or like the bar y'all go to or like a club right. or something that's just like a thing that's not home, not work, but just like this sort of liminal space mm-hmm. um, where you can like commune with people who like you're not directly responsible for their like livelihoods. You're not like living in the same under the same roof, yeah. but like they're still like your bros, right? Yeah. Um, and so many of us don't really have that and that's Mm -hmm. why when that sort of thing is dangled in front of people uh people get really fiercely protective of it you know and you you see it like in the comedy community like people the way people just get insane about like (laughs) comedy community beefs and right and and uh just the fallings out and and stuff like Mm -hmm. that the the idea that nobody can really like speak against this or yeah. that comic because like hey man they helped me out and like we're, we all we're all supposed to be on the same t- uh team here you know it's supposed to be like united mm-hmm. front like yeah. it's just that over and over and you see that with every fucking group of people you know with with like yeah. community activists and lefties and you see it with fucking <laughs> queuing yeah. on people and you see it with cops like it it's mm-hmm. people like get so fiercely protective of their own communities because it is something that we really need but it, it always just yeah. ends up being so fucked up <laughs> So it's hard to find a good one. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, something that I think about, like, kind of occasionally wishing I had more of a an impulse toward the culty is that um, I think I'd be a better actor if I did. Because I, you know, I, for several years, I was like trying to do acting. I think mm-hmm. 
part of why I think the actors who are really good are the ones who can give over to that kind of like spiritual culty thing of yeah. it all. And I'm, I'm like too self-conscious about it. Like I even like I'll be in acting classes and we'll have to do these like dumb fucking exercises. And I'm like, I am yeah. so embarrassed. I want to kill myself. It's but so... like the ones who are really good, they like, they commit to it, you know? <laughs> Word. Yeah. I, I experimented a little bit with like theater stuff when I was, mm-hmm a kid and and like up maybe into like my 20s and was in some like acting class and then like there was like a moment I realized I just couldn't (laughs) stomach it um because there was just like there was one class where just there was no lecture like it's just everybody in the (laughs) class was just talking they just were just talking the entire time and I was like what the fuck is happening (laughs) and so like yeah I don't know it's I I like a lot of uh you know people like you who like who have a th- a theater e impulse but aren't <laughs> full on theater kids because there is a huge difference you know like yeah. you do have an actory vibe you know you, like you you have a, <laughs> yeah. a a bubbly extroverted kind of personality but you 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 don't strike me as like an annoying theater kid and everybody knows <laughs> I wish what I'm I could do it a little about. bit more I want to be a Jeremy Strong like that to me I'm like now that's brave to just be like. I am so committed. I'm all in. And I'm just like, this is kind of embarrassing. So <laughs> you guys have so, fun. <laughs> it's so hard. Like, and to know, like, that's what it takes to like really yeah. get there. Um, and when you see somebody with like a really brilliant performance, you're like, <laughs> oh, they have to be a little bit crazy too, though, yeah. to like have that level of commitment and to really like get into that level of of deep character work with like a film crew surrounding you. And you would just like yeah. walked over from your trailer and you're just like, okay, now I'm in the thing. Like, you know, it just, <laughs> it just really a, a big ask and like, not everybody can do it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see Barry? I've started watching Barry. I've gotten partway through the first season. I think it's brilliant, but also there is just so much acting stuff in it that yeah. I, it's a little too close to home. <laughs> it's, I was just going to say like the way that they, kind of grill that whole culture is pretty spot on and you can yeah. tell that it's like written and performed by people who have like been in those rooms because <laughs> you're just right. like oh this is very very right um <laughs> it does kind of drop off i will say the last season um, so good but it's it's really good up until then so i, yeah, I would okay. s- stick with it but you i'll know, keep pushing don't, <laughs> don't hold out uh much hope um okay <laughs> How has uh, your, your you know, just overall mental health trajectory been? Because you mentioned you've had some, like, bad experiences with, with therapists. Yeah. My first was as, um, I guess I was, like, in middle school when I went for the first time. Because um, my family has a long history of, like, depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. um, which I experienced from a pretty young age. Um, and I think on top of that, having this kind of, like, the kind of, like, probing impulse, I guess, that like kind of drove me away from uh, from religion. Um, I think it has also made me miserable in a lot of parts of my life. Um, and my mother used to tell me all the time because I, I did like musicals in um, in high school. Uh, there's a Seussical the Musical. Uh, not, wouldn't recommend, but um, there's a whole little like through through plot line in it where uh, one of the characters is told that they they think too much. And it's 
it's meant to be like a, a satire of people saying that in the show, but my mom would like earnestly say, she'd be like, it's like that musical. You think too much. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'd be like sitting in the car, like crying, listening to Sunday in the Park with George and be like, but well, art is so transcendent, but if there's no God, then what is this impulse that we have to create? <laughs> um, but yeah, so from like in middle school, I went to see a therapist for the first time. I only went to two sessions because I I felt so overwhelmed and you know it's it's a very intimidating process you know seeing a therapist for the first time and yeah um I remember you know being very emotional and then like crying and like telling her about some like feelings that I had about you know my family and because I mean it could be kind of intense in my house because I basically had like two mothers and my my grandmother who lived with us um I, I love her very much, but she's a very intense woman. Um, so, it, you know, it sometimes is a lot. And um, I remember that the therapist then like told my mom everything that I'd said afterwards. Um, and yeah, so then in the next session, I told them like, I well, I want to quit because like I can't trust this lady. <laughs> like, I you know, if I think that you know everything's gonna be passed on to my mom, then I'd I'd prefer to just uh, repress everything. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, had a long long break for a while still you know dealt with a lot of anxiety and stuff and then I had a bit of a breaking point a few few years ago I think it must have been around around 2016 um that I just like felt too overwhelmed by life and I'd always felt like one I had that bad experience with a therapist and two I I think a lot of people have this feeling that like if you don't have anything like super traumatic happening that like you feel almost as though you don't like deserve to go to therapy yeah. or you don't deserve like mental health support. Um, so yeah, I, so I started seeing a therapist, um, got on medication, um, you know, saw them for a while and then it kind of fell off. Uh, started seeing, yeah, maybe had a break of like a year or so. And then I started seeing someone else like closer to where I worked and that took my insurance cause it's obviously such a, you know, had a headache of a process to find a therapist um so i spent several months with her and she mostly talked about how her daughter was uh getting ready to go to college so (laughs) we talked a bit more about her daughter than me (laughs) where are you finding these therapists i listen (laughs) clearly i don't i I will say the the second one the when i in like 2016 she was very good and i she just like you know we were like very very far away and like Mm -hmm. the, the cost was getting a lot so um yeah, and then I guess I stopped seeing her pretty it was pretty close to when the pandemic started. Um That's a good so time yeah. to bail out of therapy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and so like I mentioned I I got laid off and so you know I lost health insurance and mm-hmm. um Yeah, so I, you know, I stayed on sort of like anti-anxiety medicine for a bit and then uh yeah, when my insurance ended I just kind of fell off and it's only in the past few months that I've started, uh, gotten back on medication and, um, started looking for a therapist again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an exhausting process, you know, which I'm sure everyone What does the, um, medication do for you? Like, do you notice a difference? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just anti-anxiety medication. Um, and it, I, I, I don't know how much of it is, due to the medication or just that my, my life circumstances have changed. Um, but when I first started back, it was because I was finishing my, I was finishing my grad school thesis. I like just moved back to the city pretty recently. Um, I 
was like starting a new job that was like kind of intense. And so I found that I started having panic attacks, which I hadn't had since probably back in like 2016. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that I even knew that, that that's what they were. Cause I remember I, you know, got on a call with, you know, a psychiatrist about, you know, getting new medication and she was like, do you ever have panic attacks? And I was like, no, I mean, I think that I like, I come close to having panic attacks. You know, it's like my heart is racing. I can't breathe. Like, I feel like I'm underwater. Like, you know, I can't move my body. And she's like, yeah, I think that would qualify as a right. panic attack. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's like the same impulse as when I was like, well, I don't deserve to go to therapy. Nothing that bad's happening. It's like, I couldn't even like admit to myself, like I was having panic attacks. So I was like, you're just doing grad school. Lots of people do grad school. Why right. would you be having panic attacks? If you weren't having like <laughs> full on Tony Soprano, like, fame yeah. for, like, <laughs> drive a car and you know through an intersection kind of right exactly i'm like well i haven't died so i guess yeah. i'm fine <laughs> yeah. it's but yeah it's that's really, kind of the journey so far <laughs> it can okay yeah um it can it can be really hard to feel i mean that's sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy of a lot of uh mental health stuff is that mm. you don't deserve it or that you don't have big enough of a problem um yeah which you know uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm like the billionth person in the world to say that it's like, no, 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 no. People have got their own shit, like no matter how uh, maybe sheltered or privileged or uh, mm. uh, peaceful their life may be, you're still a human being and you're still living a, a human experience. And it's yeah. still it's still just rough, you know, because you're still just surrounded by like the rest of us and you're still just surrounded by like just 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 the nothingness mm -hmm. of being a person and, and, <laughs> yeah. and you know it's, it's it's a lot to contend with so you know i i don't necessarily think it's for like everybody all the time mm. um but i do think that probably you know if you live long enough and just are in the world long enough you're gonna go through enough shit that you should probably talk to somebody about it you know yeah um, and like my cousin is um I, we've have become very close over the past several years and she's dealt with a lot of intense mental health struggles and she's also um, a therapist. So it definitely in my time that I was living with my parents, like we, we got even closer and she helped me realize that like there are a lot of things in our, in our families and our family history that are like, that are like genuinely like pretty traumatic and like I you know it's the kind of stuff that like I wouldn't necessarily like talk about on a podcast sure. and like you know I'm saving that for you know the novel and right. <laughs> when everyone's dead <laughs> but, um, but yeah I mean definitely there were some things that like I think that I spent so much of my life being like I lived this like pretty cushy existence so like I don't really have anything that it's worthy of complaining about um, mm -hmm. and I think yeah over the last several years I've been able to recognize like oh there are these things that are like pretty pretty kind of major things in our family that like in part because like we don't really talk about it um yeah and yeah that i started to realize like oh okay like there are some things that i i need to sort through and that i can sort through and not feel like i'm making problems out of nothing is this the gay cousin no this is the gay cousin's sister okay. <laughs> yeah but so i mean and like they they specifically had like a lot of like you know kind of crazy stuff go on so i mean it yeah, there was a lot of stuff that i like failed to acknowledge and like and i feel like also as we get older like you know family family lore starts coming out yeah. that you're like holy shit like that's why we're like this <laughs> like yeah i mean one of my last days uh when i was visiting for the holidays um my grandma just like randomly was like i can't remember oh the conversation was because 
my mom had started talking about the town where she grew up, where she and my dad grew up and my you know grandma had lived forever, um, was apparently completely run by the Southern mafia, like the Southern mob. Um, and so like they were talking about how there was a podcast about that. And my grandma who like, I mean, she's starting to get a little more sort of like dis- disconnected in how she speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like, well, you know, there was that time I shot that dog. And like, it became this whole like crazy traumatic story about like how the the mob, like two mob informers were in jail and they were going to get killed in there. So they smashed their own feet with sledgehammers. And my grandpa, who was like the town doctor, had to go to a hospital and he like left my grandma home alone. And her one good dress was hanging on the line outside. And this dog that was always around the house, just sniffing around, he started tearing up my dress and I grabbed the gun and I shot that dog. And then like the neighbor boy came came and buried it. I was like, oh, okay, so like that's... You know, that kind of explains why you are so intense. (laughs) I mean, that's what, you know, that's the thing about those older generations. I mean, I think I've I've seen something like this on like Reductress or something where like, you know, (laughs) your your grandma just like sort of like has a cute story about, you know, how how she was sexually assaulted in college. And just and it's just like and it's just it's like, oh, they're just boys being boys. And it's like, "Mm." right. No, that was well. That's how it was fuck? back then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, that's just how people used to process things and like mm-hmm. white knuckle their way through things. And uh, yeah, it, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the way uh, we ought to keep going. You know, is is, is yeah. all I'm saying. And you know, yeah. like I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, not to sound like a fucking MRA or something, but like <laughs> you know, it, there, you can feel kind of sometimes dismissed or like your Mm. whole role is to just like shut up and listen and be an ally and blah 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 and like if you've got real problems then like check yourself because you haven't really been through like anything that bad and blah 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 like so that has helped me back from uh i don't know listening to myself and Mm. and what I need at at times Um, and it it can be hard and like on the other side of that there's also just like the macho masculine stiff upper lip thing so it's like right I I don't know like again I know that being a straight white dude is like living life on easy mode in a lot of ways however it's my only experience and uh, there's just I think that there's some stuff that needs to be addressed with the way dudes are raised and socialized to either think mm. that like you got to be a fucking man, you got to be tough, you don't want to be a little bitch, blah blah blah, or mm. just think that like since you're a man, you don't have any real problems and everybody yeah. else has it worse and you should just shut up. Like, you know, it, it well, I'm exaggerating that that dichotomy a little bit, but it, but it's it not there, untrue. You know? No. And I mean, I, th- I, something I find myself thinking about a lot is how, I mean, especially when you see sort of like MRA types, like, you know, getting angry at women, it's like, I, I feel like something that is so poignant to me is the idea that like in these like hier- hierarchical, you know, systems that we have in like any society or whatever, that like, that having these hierarchies hurts both the marginalized and the, the Mm non-marginalized and that like that it's like kind of two sides of the same coin that like you know the same things that like about like toxic masculinity or whatever that hurt women 
they also hurt men. Like, yes. I mean, it's not it's not good for the the human soul to to experience these things, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I I definitely I feel like you know back maybe in around 2016 or so or whatever when it was much more maybe common and sort of like liberal feminist discourse to be you know so dismissive of men or whatever which not that that doesn't exist now but i feel like in maybe it's because i was in more sort of like liberal circles at the time and now i'm in more like leftist circles but Mm -hmm. like i definitely you know did some of that of being like what does this man even know (laughs) like whatever um and that's changed so radically over the last several years that now i mean i feel like yeah i i just feel so much more empathy for everyone and like i i don't i find it like so so not useful to be dismissive of people's experiences like and acting as though that that's some like great political great political good that you're doing like it's not (laughs) yeah i've tried really hard to really practice a lot of radical empathy uh especially when it comes to uh people in like the manosphere because I feel Mm. like a you know I look at that and I'm like there but for the grace of God go I you kind of you know like I I mean Mm I have I don't know like yeah I I was an awkward fucking kid and like was bad at talking to girls and had all this Mm. like pent up you know uh sexual energy and all of that stuff and like built up resentments and built up all this like bullshit that I really had to like put out and examine and Mm. to understand that like maybe not everybody gets the chance to do that or not everybody you know it occurs to them to do that uh and and be like as a guy maybe those people will listen to me maybe Mm -hmm. a bit more like if I keep putting these things out on a public platform and keep kind of like offering like hey man like i know that things that that things are confusing what with the pronouns Mm. and the feminism and stuff (laughs) but like let's examine this and i I think we're gonna be okay here you know um yeah so i mean i I read a subreddit sometimes called incel exit (laughs) Mm -hmm. um where it's like former incels help uh current incels who who don't want to be incels anymore like to to make that change um, it's really fascinating because I, you know, as I mentioned before, I do this podcast called Everyone is Hot, yeah. um, where we talk about like underrated actor crushes. And I mean, my sort of whole thing is that like, I have a crush on like everyone I encounter, mm-hmm. um, because I, I find like the, the variety of how, how people look and how people act and how people think is like very exciting and sexy. Um, and you see all these like incel guys talking about, you know, women, women as prizes, valuing women based on these like very sort of like strict standards of of their looks and of like you know their their personalities which yeah. is um they prefer none um and it and it always bums me out because like one it then these guys have this like complex about how they have this like self-loathing if they can't get the prize of the type of girl they think that like you know an alpha male is supposed to have but also it means that they're missing out on so many people that could really enrich their lives and like they're all so lonely and it's like if they if they didn't find if they thought of women as as people it's like there's a much higher chance of like finding genuine companionship that makes your life better (laughs) so well yeah yeah. and on top of that you know like you were saying it affects both sides like they apply that same kind of shit to themselves i mean you see like all those 
like these are like extreme cases of like you know guys getting like jaw surgery and shit to like the leg lengthening the leg lengthening (laughs) like all of that stuff is just like really fucking crazy and Mm -hmm. they'll like post their faces and other guys on the message board will tell them like Mm -hmm. you know like all this weird uh phrenology kind of shit of like why they're not attractive to women because like your eyes are too close together or like whatever the fuck and Mm -hmm. there's just then they just like dig deeper into it you know which is like the exact opposite of what you should be doing because like you know like Mm -hmm. for me like i was lucky i was i i realized at a fairly young age that like no girls have like crushes on like conan (laughs) o'brien You know, and like if you're just like a big fucking lanky weirdo with a huge head and, you know, like yeah. that's fine. You know, like one of as my long biggest can, crushes like, is Marty Feldman. <laughs> yeah. Like if you can just be <laughs> goofy, then it doesn't really matter. And then it's fine and you can just kind of dismiss it. But like mm. it's just it, that's that's a hard thing to realize. And I, I guess mm-hmm. not everybody gets there. But um Right. I know we got to wrap up fairly soon, but um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, your podcast and and, uh, the thesis of it, uh, because Mm. I think it's really interesting. um, And and like what you were saying about like kind of having a crush on everybody um, Mm. like. I get that sometimes, like I I just (laughs) feel like I feel this sort of like, oh, no, like I potentially like I, you know, I, I look at like a lot of people in my life and I'm like, yeah, I would, you know, and, yeah. and it's, <laughs> and, and sometimes I think like, am I wired weird? Am I mm. like, you know, some sort of like perverted lecher or something? Or <laughs> it, it, do I just like see the beauty and attractiveness in, mm. in all different kinds of people. I mean, mainly women. I'm, I'm, I'm mm. fairly, uh, to one side of the Kinsey scale, but sure. you know, uh, yeah, I, I guess I was just curious about like what your experience is, is with that, you know, especially being bisexual and like, now you got mm. this whole fucking, like you're sexually omnivorous. You can go kind of <laughs> with anybody. Like that's, that's gotta be, uh, that's gotta be rad. And that's also gotta be kind of, uh, I don't know, just a lot to deal with. Yeah, yeah. There, there are ups and downs to it. I mean, I do think that I, I am also someone who's like can be prone to a bit of self-loathing, and like there are a lot of mm-hmm. things that like I am very self-critical about. But one thing that I do, that I do genuinely like take pride in, is the fact that like I feel like most people I meet, I find something to like about them, um, and. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's very exciting to, like, you know, move through the world where, like, when you encounter people, like, you and, like, I the, that I like difference. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like the, the things that make people, like, very unique. Like, I, I dated someone um, who was, like, very uh, insecure about their eczema. And I was like, I actually think your eczema is really cute. <laughs> like, I, like it, you know, because it, it made him specific and different. Like, I thought it was, like, cute that, like, he, you know, not, I wouldn't wish eczema on someone because it's very uncomfortable. But, right. you know, but I, there was something kind of, like, very, I don't know, romantic and moving to me about the fact that, like, he was a pianist, but he would get, like, fat eczema on his hands. And so he'd be, like, wearing these little Band-Aids on it, but he would, like, power through and play this beautiful music. And I was like that's such an interesting thing about you as a person that like you're doing this thing that's like physically painful and making this like beautiful 
result. He um, should have worn like white cotton gloves, you know, like the Phantom yeah. of the Opera. That would, I yeah. think that, that'd be my move. That would be an interesting version of the Phantom of the Opera where like the only thing is that like his hands are like a little <laughs> He flaky. just has some eczema. He's not disfigured <laughs> yeah. or anything. He's just got a little yeah, bit yeah. of a skin condition. Don't look at my hands. Don't look at me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, everybody's got shit like that, though. You know, like yeah. everybody's like sweating about like their their hairline or their cellulite or like whatever, and like people don't care. And like, in fact, right. like yeah, like a lot of people like I'm 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 into some stretch marks. I'm into some 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 dimples right? and some cellulite and like stuff like that. Like it's oh my god, it just, yeah. It just me makes and you so more many girls real. love James Gandolfini, and yeah. it's like you know he he's a big guy, he's a but big like boy. You, but you see him and you're like that's a man of like appetites. Like that's mm-hmm. that's sexy. Like um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's I like down- eating and like breathing through his nose. Oh and just, God. You're like, this man must eat pussy. Yeah, so good. <laughs> just, yeah, I get it. Am I allowed to say pussy on this? Yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, but yeah, it's, but I do think the downside to it though, is that I've never really been in a particularly long-term relationship. I think in part, because I like the idea of a long-term monogamous relationship. Cause like I've you know, got this beautiful model with my parents but also, like, there's just so many exciting people in the world that it yeah. makes it very difficult to... And I think that this is not just, you know, about um, about romantic relationships. But, I mean, you know, I watched that movie Past Lives the other day. Um, there was just the thing about getting older where, like, there's something so exciting and terrifying about having seemingly limitless options. But as you get older, the options diminish. And then you have to live with the fact that as good as whatever you have may be... There's always that specter of what your life could look like in, mm-hmm. in an alternate version. Um, so, I mean, I do get that because I have so many of these little crushes. Like, that, yeah, it can sometimes be hard to be like, okay, I'm making the choice that I am. I'm choosing this one thing. Yeah. And that means that I'm setting aside the the possibility, not even like, you know, the, the promise, but just like the simple possibility of all of these these other paths. You yeah, know? I mean, I always like from an early age kind of adopted the Dan Savage um, mm. approach to monogamy where it's like, you mm. don't stop wanting other people. Right. You just don't do it because that's the agreement of the relationship. Right. You just don't like that's just a line you do not cross. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, yeah. and, and I think that I don't know, like, I've never been in a, like, uh, polyamorous or open Mm. kind of relationship, like, not one that was, like, serious, where we're, like, living together and, like, dating other people or whatever. Yeah. I, and that's another thing where, like, I see some people do that right and well, and I'm Mm. like, cool, that's great, but, like, again, there's that, like, fucking theater kid stereotype of, like, what those (laughs) people are like, you know, and, like, unfortunately, like, that is kind of, like, how a lot of them are, so it's just, like, this isn't necessarily for me, but, like, it's just, it's hard to navigate because it's just, like, I, I find myself wanting to ensure people, like, you know, just because I find X person attractive mm. does not diminish my attraction to you. It is just, yeah. it, they are two separate things. And, mm-hmm. you know, like it, there's all these other factors with you. Like it's, yeah. you know, we have this whole thing together and mm. you know, like it, it's real. It's not just some like little thing up in my head. That's just like, Oh, that might be cool. But like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 that's like not real, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it can be, I don't know, like, jealousy and and hurt feelings and um 
and and feelings of of, of betrayal and inadequacy mm. are like really hard because everybody again everybody's like really insecure. Everybody is just like yeah. waiting for their partner to just be like, actually, I don't like you anymore. You know, like that's they're just waiting right. for that to fucking happen, and it just always feels like that's gonna be the case. Mm-hmm. But right, oof, yeah, <laughs> gosh. So yeah, you that's mentioned a you're a bit of a perfectionist in in your uh, relationships. What does that look like? Is it like the first like fight or mm-hmm. disagreement? And you're like, oh shit, this isn't gonna work out. Yeah, I mean, I I am <laughs> I'm kind of a, a sloppy perfectionist in many areas of my life. In that, like, I <laughs> hold myself to an incredible standard that I almost never uh, actually reach. <laughs> so mm-hmm. because I get so uh, anxious and overwhelmed about wanting it to be perfect, that that it ends up being, you know kind of a mess because I kept putting it off. I mean, that's how I felt. That's how I feel a lot about like, you know, writing projects I'll do and stuff. It's like, I'll be so anxious about wanting it to be great in the first draft that then I just like wait so long that then I do something that's like probably worse than it would have been if I had just started early and like gotten through with doing the shitty draft. Um, But yeah, but I think in terms of relationships, like I... I've got a lot of like really good friendships and like, I really, I really appreciate the fact that like a lot of them are people that I've known for a long time and we can kind of be, we can be messy around each other. We can be petty around each other and like know that like we still love each other and it's not going to be that you just get like, you know, thrown out with the trash. Um, I think because I don't have as much practice with like long-term romantic relationships, I do get, I kind of get spooked and like if, cause I want to seem like, I want to seem perfect and I want to seem, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to cause fights and I don't want to seem too clingy, but I also don't want to seem too distant. And I, yeah, I think I just, I think relationships really are a thing that like has to be practiced to learn how to do them well. So the perfectionism is directed more towards you and your behavior in the relationship, not towards your partner. It's not like they're going to fuck up and you're like, I got the ick. It's <laughs> I'm going to screw up and I'm no longer adequate. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think also, I I think it's like part and parcel with that thing of like having, having to make a choice and like how difficult that can be is that, you know, sometimes if things are going okay, if there is like one kind of thing that like turns me off, I'm like, well, good. The decision is made for me. Like now I don't have to decide that like I'm going to give up these other options because like this is just not going to work out. Um, yeah, so I mean, I I think it's kind of directed both ways, but I don't know. It, it's an it's an interesting thing because I think I also don't know how to trust my judgments all the time in romantic relationships because, I mean, one, I think that it's difficult in New York because there's just so many people and everyone's yeah. dating a million people and everyone has a hard time like settling down or making a choice. Um, and I, you know, I've got a lot of family members like my parents who like made these decisions so early. Um, and, you know, I often hear from like older family members that like, you just got to keep giving it a chance, keep giving it a chance. And so then you like, you know, string something out for weeks. And even if you don't, it doesn't feel right. Right. But then, yeah. But so, yeah, I think I have a hard time knowing for myself, like when it, when it's the right thing. Cause I mean, I also hear about friends who, you know, go on one date and they're like, and we knew 
So, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I really do. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't believe in that shit. I think that yeah. that's something that is, like, that's for the movies. That's something that is, like, yeah. like maybe, like, you feel like an intense attraction, but, like, you mm. know when you look back after, like, a decade together. You right. Know? Like, that's when right. you know. That's true. I yeah. And I uh, think I, I, I have a hard time sometimes because it's, like, so much app dating now yeah. that, like, you're kind of forced to like make a decision because you all came here with the purpose of dating. Whereas like it's so much easier when it's like a friend or someone from the office or like a mm-hmm. friend of a friend. So you like get to know th- the person first before developing feelings. But yeah, I don't know. Big Dating's weird, right? <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> um, you, we should uh, wrap up. You have a hard out. I yeah. want to respect that. But uh, where can uh, people find you and your work? Yeah, um, so I am, my personal accounts on Instagram are, uh, it's oh look at Shelly Brooks, uh, and then I think it's I'm Shelly Brooks on Twitter, I think, I just got back on recently, um, but then also listen to Everyone is Hot, our uh, our podcast with my co-host Michael Stevens, who's been on this show before, yep. um, yeah, and we have uh, an Instagram account uh, under Everyone is Hot Pod, and a Twitter account under Everyone is Hot Pod. Well, thank you so much, and definitely check out that show uh, if you like. If you like this show, you'll you'll like this one too. Um, it's it's just very. Uh, I don't know. It's just 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 horny little freaks talking about being horny <laughs> little freaks, and it's just great. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you once again to Shelley Brooks for being on the show. That was a fantastic talk. We'd love to have you back on. Would love to have Michael Stevens back on. Would love to have a lot of people back on. Also, here's the deal. Um, I, I, you, I, I thank all of my listeners for uh, you know putting up with uh, the irregular release schedule, such as it is. Uh, you know, I got a bunch of jobs. I'm walking dogs. I'm art handling. I'm doing the Teamster shit. I'm making this podcast. I'm trying to look for a different job and uh, hopefully not have to do all this crap anymore. Uh, It's a lot. And I only have so much bandwidth. And I'm also not very good at this. You would think with a media degree and uh, a certificate in coding that I would know how to do all of that. Uh, You know, make a podcast should be fairly easy, but it's really hard. And uh, you can't do it just lying in bed scrolling on your phone, which is often uh, what I have the capacity to do. So thank you for bearing with me. Patreon.com slash self worst. If you would like to donate a little bit, uh, chip in as little as a dollar a month to the show, that would be very nice. Um, You know, and if not, and if we're losing some patrons, I, I, I get it. I have not put out any bonus content in a while. I understand. Thank you for sticking with me, if you can. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're going to get there. We're, I, 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 we're in a bit of a period of flux right now. What with the job and the life transitions. You know, uh, so some things are a little irregular. But we're doing our best to, uh, you know, put out this award-winning content that the masses crave. 
I think I'm going to do some merch soon, so stay tuned for that. Um, maybe some shirts, maybe some stickers or whatever. Uh, and that, that'll be cool. I just got to get, you know, get that T public up, get the design submitted and get a, you know, get a discount code, all of that. Like, you know, again, I can build a website from scratch and yet the idea of doing all of that stuff, I'm like, it's too hard. I don't want to have to look at uh, do the, do give that 20% discount. How do I do that? I don't know. So that'll get done when it gets done. But now that I put it out on the airwaves, I have to commit to it. Because, you know, if you say you're going to do something and then you don't do it, then you're a coward. And uh, I can't live with that. Rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Uh, you know, word of mouth, tell friends. Uh, screenshot this and put it in your Instagram stories. That would be cool. Uh, tag the show. Um, I'm at Bradical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show at Selfworst on Instagram. And uh, you can you can DM me. I don't care if you want. I don't know what y'all say. Oh, you talk too much on that show. Um, you're annoying and uh, you your head's really big you know just stuff like that you sweat a lot anyway that's all I've got this was a lovely episode wasn't it don't you just feel better about everything in the world aren't you just ready to get out and go get them didn't it put a little pep in your step I don't know. Thank you all for listening. I love you. I kiss you on the lips. I die for you. Uh, I'm Brad Pearson. And until next time, um, don't die in the climate apocalypse yet.